media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We've been going through Philippians. This morning we go through uh, and find uh, maybe a familiar passage, one that you more than likely uh, have read many times, heard preached many times. You've probably heard me preach, at least allude to this a little bit, but as we go through uh, Philippians, we want to uh, to see it in the context, especially in light of the last couple of weeks and what we've seen since we began chapter 4. Uh, question this morning, how many of you are numbers people? Numbers just make sense to you. I'm a numbers guy, okay? They, they say they say that I was doing arithmetic when I was three years old and that by the time I got four years old that uh, I wanted long problems and that, you know, back in the days when we didn't have tablets and stuff like that to entertain us, uh, it was one of those that I would ask for sheets of math problems to do. And so that's just how geeky and dorky I am, yeah. And, but I've always loved numbers and numbers just make sense to me for all of you that raise your hand, they probably make sense to you. They help us to quantify things. I'm a numbers guy. I mean, just ask my discipleship guys on any given discipleship lesson. Hey, on a scale of one to ten. In fact, Brian, just the other day, we we're talking about, uh, we're going through E.M. Mound's book on uh, devotion and prayer in that particular, uh, on prayer. And that particular chapter was on devotion. And so one of the questions that we had that morning, Friday morning, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you in this matter of devotion when it comes to prayer? We Neither one of us really liked our scores on that one, but it helped us to quantify it. And sometimes, you know, I can say that to somebody who's not a numbers person, and it doesn't make sense to them, but numbers people get that. It's kind of like this. You've been on both sides. We have a lot of people in the medical field in our church, and so, you know, you've been on both sides of this. I can imagine that many of you that are doctors, nurses, and deal with patients, you know, you want them to quantify. And, and is it fail-proof? No, because some people, everybody's, a t- you know, everything's a 10. Other people, you know, they, they have a hard time. But at least it helps us to quantify. It helps us to kind of get a perspective of things. And so we use numbers to, to give us kind of a, a notion. Where are you at on the scale? But when we want to do that, it helps us not only to get perspective, but also kind of evaluate. For example, many right now, uh, especially uh, uh, my children, as they go out and as they're uh, uh, in homes, but maybe thinking maybe of a new home or one may have to move, and you're looking, and all of a sudden interest rates. And they're going, but interest rates are so high. And this number, 6 or 7%, is so high. And I'll go, well, historically speaking, it's pretty low. It doesn't feel like that because we've had times where it's been 2 or 3. And so it seems like it's so outrageous right now. And it is a lot higher than it was just a year, year and a half ago. But all of a sudden, we use numbers to give us perspective and also to help us evaluate things. And numbers help us to see a clearer picture. With that in mind, look at Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to make a connection here. I know sometimes pastors, myself included, will say something at the beginning. You're going, I don't know what that had to do with the rest of the sermon. But I hope that this does help you when we talk about numbers and we talk about this verse. Because look what Paul writes. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. 
So if you, if you had to graph that out, if you had to graph that out, what numbers do you think God is using there to explain this command? It's not a suggestion. This is a command. Uh, what number would you put in the side of anxiousness and worry? What does God say? Zero. Zero. He doesn't say 10%, you know, hey, just make sure you have a little bit more faith than you do worry. No, he would say, be, don't be anxious about anything, zero. Uh, what would he put on the prayer side? A hundred. But in everything, you have nothing and you have everything. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I, I'm a numbers person. This will make sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you. Draw two circles. And under one circle, put worry. And the other one, put prayer. Okay, you can do that on your notes. You can do if you don't have a pen source, you can do it in your mind. But please go along with me on them. Okay, so you got a circle here, prayer. You've got a, another one that says worry. Okay, what percentage are you living out right now? Twenty, eighty, fifty, fifty, seventy-five, twenty-five. How would you honestly, guys? Honestly, where would you say, "Hey, I know what God says." And I know what he desires as he commands this for our lives. But here's what I'm actually, in all honesty, Pastor, I'm probably, you know, I am a person of faith. But, you know, worry does not just creep in. Sometimes it comes in with a landslide. And so, I, you know, to be fair, maybe 50-50. Maybe 60-40 on my good days, but 25-75 on the bad days. I mean, how would you fill that in, guys? Because it's really important for us to understand that God says, not suggests, but commands 0% worry and 100% prayer. And the faith that comes from that, from the very beginning, that seems impossible, doesn't it? And in our fallen state, even though we're saved, and, and, and positionally, we are as good as we're ever going to get, guys. We're going to be, you know, positionally, we could not be closer to God right now. Positionally, theologically. But practically speaking, we still have to deal with this old flesh, this old man. And, and we live in a world that has fallen, and we're fallen. And so as much as it seems really good to say 0% worry and 100% prayer, I don't know that I've ever met somebody who's living that. And so we live kind of in this kind of tension going back and forth. And one of the most important questions that you could answer this morning is in your own heart, in your own mind, what are your numbers? Where are you right now? And some of you might be in a really good place, and so maybe you could heavily say, you know, 20% worry, 80% you know, prayer and faith and just trust and this hope and joy that comes with, you know, just believing the promises of God. Or others might find themselves in crisis this morning. And because of the crisis of life, even though you would say, I'm not a, you know, a perennial warrior, I don't worry about every little thing, but I'm in a part of my life right now. There's some things going on in my life right now, Pastor, that, that I found that I'm anxious about, I, I kind of worry about. And so maybe your numbers are kind of cited to a place where you say, okay, I don't want to be like that, but if I'm going to be honest with myself. But can anybody here, and you can raise your hand. In fact, you can stand and you can actually come finish the sermon this morning. Is anybody here zero and a hundred? 
0% worry, 100% prayer about everything. No, and so here's our challenge. Because this is a command, it's not a suggestion. This isn't a helpful hint. This isn't a life skill. This is a command from holy God. And either he has set us up for failure, or we really don't know how to embrace this. I mean, just as an example, when Brian and I came away from that, that chapter in the Ian Bounds, I, I would guarantee, I would promise you all of it was truth. And yet there's a really easy way to walk away from that lesson the other day about devotion and prayer. I would go, man, I'm a failure. I pray, but am I really devoted and passionate about prayer? And I don't know that that's what God wants us to do to walk away in failure, but he wants us to learn. How do we live more and more by this command? And so this morning, we use those numbers not to crucify us, not to uh, say I'm I'm a terrible Christian, not to say, okay, I I just must not have it all together, but to gain perspective so that we can come and look at both God's prescription but also his promise here. And where that promise is founded in our abilities are in the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, the great encouragement of this verse is what God gives as an answer to help us with the problem at hand, worry and anxiousness. Look at verse 6 again. Look what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, zero, but in everything, 100%, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It's like a doctor who gives you a prescription for an ailment. God is telling us here how to have victory over this, this illness of worry and anxiety. And God wants us to know that worry and anxiety is not just an ailment, but it's a sin. I would say that there's three sins that we are probably plagued with on a continual basis. Pride, self-dependence, which is a form of pride, and worry and anxiety. I think everybody has to contend with those On a pretty regular basis. And so if this anxiousness and worry is a sin, I mean, Jesus is the one that said, when you worry, you act like an unbeliever. He didn't mince words. Remember a sermon on the mount? Hey, the birds believe, the the flowers believe, and and I address them. They're not worried about things. He said, when you worry, you're actually acting, at least in that moment, like an unbeliever. That's why positionally, guys, that's why theology is so important. Because positionally, I could not be more secure in Jesus Christ this morning. But practically, we have bouts of worry and anxiousness. So if you had to graph, what numbers do you think God is commanding us to do in this matter of anxiousness and prayer? Zero a hundred. How do we do that? How do we actually do that? We look at his prescription. We pray. And supplication. We're going to talk about the distinction of those two. With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Go to him. Uh, one way you can put it, run to the cross. Run to the one who has brought us victory. Perhaps one of the, the scariest things ever to hear from a doctor is, you have cancer. And when they bring that pronouncement, there's a lot of different kind of 
uh, cancers, but cancer by its nature starts in one place. And what does it do by nature? It spreads. And I want you to know that very much worry and anxiety is like that. Now, guys, I'm differentiating this morning anxiety that comes from just chemical imbalance and something that's going on in the biology of our life. I'm talking about natural worry that comes when we just are anxious about situations in life. I'm not talking about a medical condition here. I'm talking about the spiritual condition, okay, just for clarity. But in this clarity, we begin to see that it's like a cancer. And it begins in one place. Without treatment, what happens to most cancers by nature takes over and it goes to other places. That's what worry does. It's a cancer. And it begins in one place, but then it, it begins to, to go in other places. In fact, if you look at the etymology of the word that, that's used here, worry, it means to strangle. I mean, th- doesn't that kind of make sense? That it would strangle? What does it strangle? Three main things in the life of the believer. It strangles our view of God. When we worry and we are anxious, we see God smaller. Number two, it strangles our hope. That is our outlook and our perception of the future. And the third thing it strangles is our joy. Our present state of mind and heart. And so that's why God says, I want you to worry about nothing and I want you to pray about everything. In other words, I want you to bring it to me. And that's why he says, you you come to me. Why? Because if not, it will take over your life. Now, you know, I grew up in youth ministry, guys. I was in a pastor at 12 years old, okay? And so in youth ministry, you use a lot, in children's ministry, you use a lot of of pictures. And, and, you know, this is your mind and your heart right here. Okay, And, and... and let's just say that it's filled with, you know, belief in God and trust in his word and the promises of God. And then worry comes along. And, and I just want you to, to notice what happens when worry comes along. You know, it, how long does it take for it to invade the very spaces of our mind and our heart? And then all of a sudden, everything is colored by that. Do we lose our faith? No. But does it cloud our faith? Does it change our perspective? And so that's why God says, I'm going to give you a prescription here because worry is like a cancer and I don't want it to spread. In fact, I want to eliminate it. And so I want you to do two things. I want you to pray and in that prayer brings supplication. I've got an answer for you. God has not left you and I helpless. Prayer is simply talking with God. Don't ever make it more complicated than that, guys. It's simply communicating with God. It's not fancy words. It's not special words. It's not a secret code. It's not even a position. And I've been talking with some guys about, you know, I think I do need to get on my knees a little bit more often. Can you pray going down the road? Should you pray going down the road? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You can pray. with. Can you pray with your eyes open? Yes. But, but as I've been contemplating prayer, I've gone, you know, God, I, I think I need to get actually on my knees more. Not that you hear more. I need that for the position of my mind and my heart. And so he says here to, to come with prayer. What is supplication? How is that different? Supplication is more specifically asking of God. 
Supplication is, okay, God, will you help me with this matter? Will you, you know, help give me direction here? Will you do this? And so prayer is communicating with God. And then supplication is when we're able to go, okay, God, will you actually help me with this situation? And sometimes we even say, okay, God, I, I would want, you know, for example, this marriage to work. God, I want this to happen. I, I want you to, to bring success in, in my child's choice of college. Because in college, a lot of important things can happen. You can find a spouse. You can determine where you're going to go vocationally. This is an important thing. And so, God, will you direct my son or my daughter and say, prepare for college? I mean, that's supplication. It's not just, okay, God, be with my family, bless my family. It's going beyond that, and it's getting specific to the areas of importance of your life. Critical issues in your life that can bring joy and hope or can bring Worry and anxiety. Well, Pastor, is that really the trade-off? Apparently by this scripture it is. That where one is void, the other one will come in. Does that make sense? Because if we get that concept, if we really truly believe what God is saying here, we're not just an empty vessel. Our minds are... Well, some minds are an empty vessel, but many of you don't have empty vessels in your minds and your hearts are not empty vessels. You're going to fill it with something. And when it comes to the matters of life, you're either going to have concern and anxiousness and worry, or you're going to have hope and joy apart from the situation. Well, Pastor, that's kind of pie in the sky. No, that's biblical thinking, guys. Either it's a promise of God or it's not. Either he truly has meant something when he says, worry about nothing and pray about everything. And he's either set us up for failure or he's made a way for us actually to have victory in that area of our lives. And I promise you guys, it's not because you've become a better person. It's because we understand the promise and the prescription that's been extended to us. And we believe more and more in what Christ has accomplished. That's the victory. Not you just, oh, I used to pray for five minutes. Now I pray for, you know, seven minutes. Victory. There, there is a victory in that. I mean, uh, but that's not the answer. That's not what he's saying. It's in that prayer, in that communication, in that supplication before holy God that we're believing his promises. I, I mean, if the doctor, you went to the doctor and they say you have cancer. And the doctor said, no big deal. It's only 10%. So they spread 10%. Well, what is the percentage that you can live with? I mean, in your mind and your hope and everything? Zero percent. God, uh, you know, let the doctor give me something to eradicate this from my life. And I believe that's what he's done here. So God prescribes that we put something in the place of worry and anxiety that will grow in our hearts and our minds. Prayer and supplication. Prayer simply talking with God. Supplication being very specific with God. Will you help me in this need? Will you grow my faith? Will you give me more and more trust in the promises that you've made? Supplication, that is, that, that, that further element that he mentions here does two things in our lives, guys. Supplication does two things. When we take, when we go to God and we, and we were very specific, help me, grow me, I'm, I'm asking of this of you. Number one, it reminds us of our own inability to 
It is the rejection of of self-dependence. And it reminds us of God's sufficiency. How how many of y'all need a healthy dose of both of those in your life? See, there might be some here, you know, but I'm not really a worrier. I really don't worry that much. I just pull up the bootstraps and get tougher. And, And there's a part of that that is admirable. There's a part of that that's just life. There's a part of that's very dangerous. So if we do that apart from God and the strength of God, you will reach your limit, guys. There will be a day that, that very much you're going to go, the boots are up over my ears. I can't pull them up any farther. So the answer isn't just get tough. The answer is just go to the one who already has victory and live life in him. I know that all sounds so spiritual because it is. It truly is. It's the spirit life, guys. Look again at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Do you know what Paul writes in, in addition, what God tells us in addition to supplication? What does he say? What does he attach to supplication? Thanksgiving. It's actually a very interesting word here that uh, in the Greek uh, for Thanksgiving. It's Eucharista. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Eucharista? What is the Eucharist? When we come to the Lord's Supper table. What is the Lord's Supper table? It's reminding us of what God has done, what God will do. And Paul uses this word for thanksgiving because we live in the light of of the grace that has been given to us, but we also live in the light of the hope of what God has in store for us. That's part of the prescription. I want you to pray and and come to me with request and supplication with thanksgiving, acknowledging that we have relationship and that I'm a God who truly does give. Paul uses this to lead us in the direction of of thankfulness and for his grace and his mercy and to remind us of his care. As believers, we don't go to a God who is bothered by our request. Well, he's really busy. There's people that are hurting. Have you ever said that to yourself? There's people that have a lot more trouble than I do. I don't need to take this to God. That is offensive to the holy God who loves you. Can he, can he only take so much on his shoulders? So, so he says, okay, don't pray about this, Ricky, because I've already got some heavy shoulders and you are going to topple me over today if you add your request to it too. We don't have a weak God. We have a victorious God who is over all things and can give us victory. Guys, you're, I think it's offensive when we have that thought to a holy God who has given his son to purchase our very lives and our very eternal souls, that we say, okay, I just don't want to bother God today. He's got enough on his hands. He's got really big hands. And your request, is it going to be the breaking point for holy, mighty, majesty God? Look at what Paul wrote about humbling ourselves before God. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. 
Not because he's bothered by you. Not because he owes you something. And, and we have this relationship. I'm God creator. You're the creation. So I kind of have to do this. God has to do nothing. And he's still God. But because he sent his son, because this is his plan, because he called us from the foundation of the world to be his sons and daughters, he's shown that care throughout eternity. And so he says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And part of the motivation of prayer and part of the motivation of supplication and really the end result of thanksgiving is that we pray to a God who really does care. Does that make sense? You make the connection. I mean, I can go to the richest man in the world right now, which I don't know who that is, with the latest you know, month or so in all the economic things. But let's just say I go to one of the richest men in the world and I said, can I have a thousand dollars? A thousand dollars to that richest man in the world is not even a penny to you and I. And so he can give it out of his surplus. Our son or daughter can come to a mother or father. Hey, I need this. And I promise you, that mom and dad, if it's the wise thing to do, it's not always the wise thing to do, but just go with me in this illustration. That mom and dad will find a way to do the wisest supply. Would you agree, moms and dads? There's something. We're going, okay, this isn't a penny to us. This is more than we have, but we'll find a way. Why? Because we care for you. We love you. This is our God. You think you love your children more than God loves you? You're foolish. Just use as a as a little standard next time you get discouraged. What did Jesus say? You know, your earthly fathers, which one of them, if you ask for a fish, is going to give you a snake? I mean, there's one jokester father that's going to do that, okay? <laughs> Playing a joke on his son. But, but you get the intention of what Jesus was saying. He said, and if my if your earthly fathers know how to do this, get these words, get these words. How much more does your heavenly Father give you those things that are truly good for you? Does that mean that we just pray and God says it starts dropping things in our life? No, because he's a wise God. He's a, he's, wisdom is beyond compare. And so everything's not an automatic yes unless we just say, okay, God, you do what's best. God will always do that. Look at verse 7. Look what happens when we replace worry with prayer and supplication. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is at stake here, guys? Our salvation? No. Our position is secure in Christ Jesus. If you are a son or daughter of the living God, You've put all your faith and all your trust in Jesus Christ. Your position is secure. We're not talking about position. We're talking about practical living. We're talking about worry and anxiety, joy and hope. And where did joy and hope and worry and anxiety tend to live? And so look at the prescription and look at the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and minds in Christ Jesus. This and this is a battlefield, guys. Until that day of glorification, it's a battlefield. The war has already been won, but it's a battlefield on a daily basis. That's where cancer of worry wants to spread and infect. So God gives us a prescription, prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, and a promise. Here's the promise. He said, I will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, that's where we need to be careful not to water down the fact that this is a command and not a suggestion. And that this is a promise, not a maybe if I feel like it. The word guard there literally means give detailed attention, and I like this, to hold custody. If you had somebody in New York, to hold custody. What is he going to hold custody? Anxiety and, and, and fear and, and worry, guys. I said, that's his promise. I will guard your hearts and your minds. It's like he puts the very spirit, his own spirit there at the, at the gateway of our heart and our minds. Okay, I'm guarding you. Because <laughs> cancer, the cancer of worry and anxiety, once again, fear wants to come in. And I, I'm on the duty. And believe me, our God is not a Barney Fife God. That's God's promise because of Christ's victory. But as we close this morning, let me make sure that, that we point this out. The path to peace and hope and joy by Paul, a couple of verses before, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. But why this all ties together? This is not about a procedure. It's about a person. It's not about the procedure. Okay, I'm going to pray for five minutes and this will go away. We can look at this as a procedure. Prayer, I asked him for some things and I said thank you to a couple of things too. It involves, if you want to say a procedure, but it's not about a procedure. It's about a person. It's not make a list, bow and pray, problems go away. It's all about the supremacy, get this, the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. It's the only hope that we have. This is the heart of that. We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's all about the person of Christ. It's all about his victory that has already been won. And the same thing that holds us positionally now can start to affect our lives in a very practical way. When anxiety and worry want to come in like a cancer and spread. That's why Jesus made this promise to us in John 14, 27. Peace. Now this is, uh, this words would be in red in your Bible if you have a red Letter edition. This is Jesus talking. It's the high priestly prayer. What's about to happen in John 14? What's about to happen to Jesus? I mean, like days. He's going to go to the cross. Do you think there could be some anxiety, some worry and all that? Go look at the story of Gethsemane. And we're going to see that, you know, that is warring. There's a battle for his mind and his heart, even though he's the very son of God. And yet, what does he promise? Peace I leave with you. 
my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. Here's where Christian maturity will start to take place in our lives, guys. I can start my prayer and even my supplication and even my thanksgiving headed in one direction. God, will you solve this? Will you do this? And there's going to be times and maybe that doesn't even work out because maybe that wasn't what God wanted to do. But here's the promise that he has said, I'm going to give you peace, not as the world gives, but as I give. It's a personal promise. I, I love the word surpassing, the surpassing you know, this peace that is surpassing. It, the, the word means literally to hold above, to transcend the reach of man's ability to comprehend. Is that your God? That's the promise that he's made. To transcend, to go higher. That's what the word in the Greek means. Surpassing means to go higher than what your mind And your heart has the ability to comprehend. That's his promise. It's the promise that Christ makes to all believers this morning. Two things this morning. If you're not a believer, if you haven't put all your trust and your faith in in Jesus Christ, not just for your standing before God, but in practical everyday life, you're fighting this battle on your own. And maybe you're a really strong person, but you're not that strong. And so Christ says to you this morning, trust me. Trust me for your salvation. Open up this life that I have for you. If you are here this morning and you are a believer and you've placed all your trust and all your faith in Jesus Christ and yet you still find yourself like the rest of us in this battle daily with worry and anxiety and you very much want to have hope and joy and and you want to be 0% and 100%. And he tells you this morning, it's not about a procedure, it's about a person. And and in all humility and all brokenness, you just come before God. Say, okay, God, I don't even know prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. I I don't know if there's magical words. I can promise you there's not. But God, I'm coming to you, and I do feel like the cancer of worry about this situation, about my child, or about my marriage, or about my finances, or whatever it might be. You fill in the blank. it's like trying to get in there. And God, I know what you've commanded us to do, to worry about nothing, to pray about everything. And so I don't even know the words to say. I'm just coming to you, and God, I'm coming before you. Do you think God will honor that prayer? Yes. A million times, yes. And there in that position of prayer, he will start to move. And eradicate the cancer of worry and anxiety. And more and more and more, we're going to find that, that he's eradicating that cancer from our life and building our trust and faith in a procedure or in a person. In Jesus Christ, his son. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, this is not a problem yet to be solved. Your son has solved this already, Father. Victory over sin, death, and the grave, Father, through his work. 
So, Father, we thank you that we can, that there's a past tense to some of this. There's a present tense to the dilemma that we find ourselves in. And, Father, there's a future tense to this. And so, Father, we thank you that his victory has application to each one of those things. A battle that has been won, the battle that can be won today, and, Father, eventually the battle that will be forever won when we join you in heaven. Until that day, Father, will you help us to know that, Father, our minds and our hearts are a battlefield. Father, would you help us to understand this command It's not weighted upon, Father, how good we are, but, Father, just as people living in a fallen world, as fallen people, Father, having to deal with our old fleshly ways, Father, we need you, and we need the victory of Christ. So, Father, today I pray that you would give hope, that you would give joy, that you would give even now, Father, this peace that it's higher than we could ever humanly transcend. It transcends human understanding. Father, would you, would you begin to do that in the lives of your children this morning as they come to you? And just honest openness. God, I need you. Take this fear. Take this worry. Take this anxiety away. And help me to rest in the person of Jesus Christ. Will you make sense out of all that spiritual language, Father, to each one of us? We love you and we thank you for the prescription and for your promise that we have in your Son, Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.